Hi, Gauri here. We've collected the best insights from the first 20 Knowledge Base Ninjas episodes into a clear and concise ebook. Simply send a blank email to ninja at bcast.email. That's ninja at bcast.email and it will be sent right back to you. Thank you. Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Where Gauri Ram Kumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good day everyone. Our guest today is Emily Mayeski, technical writer at Cybercube. Welcome Emily to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. How are you doing today? Hi Gauri, I'm really good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great, Emily. So, Emily, please help us a little bit um, 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 more about yourself. How, how did you initially got into documentation? Uh, how many years have you been uh, uh, doing technical writing? Yeah, so uh, I've been in technical writing for about five years now, and I've always had a love for reading, writing, and literature, and I. got my BA in English and a concentration in professional writing from Washington and Jefferson College and then after that I went to Carnegie Mellon University and I got a master's in literary and cultural studies so there was always that love there and then after I graduated from Carnegie Mellon I applied for a couple jobs in marketing and communications but ended up at a data and tech company called Management Science Associates and i was on their user centered design team as their technical writer and instructional designer i wrote a lot of manuals created some um interactive learning modules and things have just gone from there fantastic so what's your documentation process at cybercube and uh, which teams does normally get involved in, in such processes yeah so Our internal documentation processes are somewhat uh, under revision. We're a pretty young company and I'm currently implementing a lot of the processes, but some one thing that's been pretty consistent since I got there uh, about 6 months ago was that documentation is really cross-collaborative at Cybercube and there's a lot of it and it's always churning and always happening. So what we're doing right now is going back and seeing what we already have and organizing it. and i'm trying to gradually entice other teams besides the ones that i'm on which is the product and analytics team and i see that the engineering team is using confluence too but i'm trying to gradually entice everyone to confluence so that we can have a central place to create this documentation and create processes around this documentation um but as for our user facing docs processes uh like i said we're pretty young and we're actually launching our in product documentation tonight so i'm a little giddy about it but the process around that is um the typical a need is discovered by a user can be an internal or external user uh and then they make a request and a lot of that goes through our client services team who then uses a tool like hubspot or they make a verbal request or they use slack to create a jira ticket and we have a documentation backlog and that 
really works for us because it helps us sync with our engineering team so that we can cross link between tickets and pass around those tickets and issues and kind of back each other up and provide extra context where it's needed. Mm-hmm. And along with that, you know, then we do the research, referencing other tickets, resources. And then beyond that, <laughs> we do writing, drafting, revision, approval, you know, that whole process. Yeah. Then we preview an internal test with our internal teams. And then we launch and distribute onto our doc site and sometimes send our release notes out ahead of time, depending on whether or not it's a breaking change that the product has made. And then uh, the last step, and arguably the most important one, is the one of iteration and feedback. And it's the real advantage to having online documentation, to be honest. It's a really great way to not only get uh, get feedback on the documentation, but to gradually iterate on it. And I always compare documentation, iteration, and feedback to uh, the game Solitaire, if you've ever played. Um, you could be in the middle of the desert and stuck on the same set of cards that you have in front of you for hours, and someone could come up behind you and point at your cards and say, you know, you have a six of clubs, and you can move it onto the seven of hearts, <laughs> and suddenly you're unstuck, and there's a small improvement that just kind of unblocks all of the documentation, you know, and you can um, see that improvement in front of you. So to me, that's what that feels like. And you just have to offer that opportunity to users of your documentation. Okay, great. So uh, have you seen a shift in how documentation has become being treated like a product, uh, Emily? Uh, Two things on that. At CyberCube, it's interesting because When I interviewed, I told them that I wanted to approach documentation as a product, and they told me that they had a similar philosophy, and so far it's proven true. We actually have documentation days where we sit down and concentrate on on both our internal and external documentation, and we actually had one yesterday, and it's wrapping up today. It's been a very busy week, Uh, (laughs) but I would see a lot of cross-team and cross-sub-team collaboration. Docs are valued internally and externally. All the documentation is targeted, written by users, for users. It's all actionable. It's all usable. And sometimes we even branch into videos and learning content very much based on user need. And it's very celebrated and seen as a value prop for clients. It's part of our product, but it's also its own product, like a like a branch or its own application within the product. Um, and it, let's see, I, I mean, universally, like outside of CyberCube, I've seen a few movements to treat documentation like a product, especially with things like automatic documentation services like Swagger and other API documentation. But I think generally in the field, we could probably take a leaf or two from the books of product developers and, you know, even learning and development fields to make our documentation a little bit more interactive or user-focused and not just reference documentation. 
Super. So first of all, thank you for spending time with us uh, today. Uh, in spite of your busy uh, schedule, you've been having the last couple of days. Um, so I appreciate that. So um, uh, it, from, from, from the sounds of it, it looks like you've got a very detailed uh, uh, documentation process in place at uh, CyberCube. So in that sense, what are the important factors you consider when creating documentation? Yeah, at least from the lens of treating documentation like a product, uh, it's really important to make your documentation a piece of the company's product or offerings and sync it with the product development teams, both the engineering and product management teams. Follow a predictable release schedule. Um, don't just wait for the order to get writing. Check out the tickets on the engineering team's dockets and you know, start writing documentation that you know you'll eventually have to put out. And I would also say, uh, accept that documentation doesn't have to be just documentation. Make it multidisciplinary. Use learning and development, uh, like interactive documentation. Use media like videos and GIFs and things like that. And use communications to your example, too you know, offering that feedback loop, like I said before, and calling out documentation updates in the documentation. It's a great way to present the work that you've done and assure users that you're keeping things up to date and acknowledging their needs. Okay, great. Uh, so have you seen any kind of reduction in workload since introducing quality documentation, like a, a reduced number of uh, customer support tickets or um, or any such measurements? Do you do you measure any anything like that? Yeah. So our client services team has a ticketing system on HubSpot, and while we are only just launching our online product documentation site today, so I can really only predict. But we are kind of anticipating this initial surge in those information requests as clients realize that, like, oh, here's the documentation right in front of me. They'll see it more. It's more in front of them. So more information requests will come in initially. And then we're expecting a pretty sharp drop off as they realize that they can search for the documentation that they need to do the things that they need to do. So we are expecting a kind of interesting surge drop in those tickets. But as for workloads outside of that ticketing system, um, not having to convert things into PDFs and instead using more dynamic documentation will reduce my personal workload as well as anybody who's reviewing the documentation. So that will help that process. And then interestingly, my favorite part of you know, reducing our workload is that my, <laughs> my teammates, the engineers who I worked with on the CMS actually set up some automation so that when certain features are released on our product. They're directly linked with articles on our CMS so that it reduces human error where just in case a feature isn't released, the matching documentation will also not appear on the CMS on our documentation site. So that's pretty nice and automating where you can. And I, I love the fact that we were able to do that at CyberCube. Uh, it really is going to reduce that human error that leads to a much heavier workload with corrections and going back and re-releasing. And we're just cutting all of that out and it's beautiful and I love to see it. 
Okay, super. Uh, so uh, one thing we didn't uh, talk about is, is CyberCube uh, documentation are publicly available or is it a, a private one which requires login? So it does require a login. Our product is pretty proprietary at this point because we are so young, but we do have a kind of wider knowledge base that is hosted on our website and it's managed mostly by our industry engagement team. And mm -hmm. they have uh, white papers, other marketing content, videos written by all of the specialists at our company from people on the analytics team to people on the sales team and people who are experts in cybersecurity. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me of how much content's on there, but I know that it is a lot that's publicly available. It's more product documentation that is private. All right. So uh, in that sense, I'm guessing you don't, you don't generate any organic search traffic from your knowledge base? If, if you would call uh, just the product documentation, the knowledge base, then no, we wouldn't be generating any search traffic. But all of the other content, uh, it definitely generates search traffic. So, mm -hmm. Fantastic. So, uh, Emily, I think we are very close to the rapid fire round question. So is there anything else you would like to add before we move on to the rapid fire questions? Um, not particularly. I, uh, no, I can't, I can't really think of anything. No worries, no worries at all. So, um, so in terms of um, um, your mentors or who have you learned the most about documentation from in your career? You know, I don't think I can pinpoint any one person. Things have always been kind of multidisciplinary for me and I've learned different things at different points. But I, I'd say some, some things that I've pulled out of different experiences or at least the different teams that I've been on uh, was the importance of user experience and user design. That was from my team at MSA. Uh, using those in your documentation, super important to catering it to your specific audience. The importance of instruction and actionable content from my team whenever I worked at Social Code as an instructional designer. Uh, let's see. My last job at Braze, I learned the importance of deliberate information structure. It can really, really help when you have a lot of content to not just throw articles this way and that. And I'm really still learning things every day. I've only been at CyberCube for six months and already I've learned the importance of putting on your own oxygen mask first, where our interactions with our customers really, really shine if our internal stakeholders are experts, not just in the field, but as experts in the product too. From across the board, I mean, from our people team to client services, to sales, to engineering, just everyone. Mm -hmm. Super. So um, can you share uh, some documentation related resources you have consumed recently? Yeah, uh, I've, I've actually read a couple really good ones. Plan.io has a great technical documentation article. It touches on process and content templates. Divio gets into content structure and content types. I've referenced them a lot whenever building sites or revising sites from the ground up. And then, you know, you can always pull from the providers that you're using. You know, we use Confluence. So I read Atlassian quite often, especially their tutorial documentation. And then, you know, if you deal with APIs, I have a whole list there, but we haven't gone into it. So 
<laughs> that's great. That's great. So uh, what is that one piece of documentation related advice you would give to your 20 year old self? I would probably tell myself to back up my writing skills with a few other things, especially at least for me, knowing what my interests are now, I would tell myself to get into learning more basic development and coding skills, as well as a few basic design classes, you know, um, like visual design or UX design, things like that. Just because I feel like I could personally use the backup to help train my eye when it comes to organizing content on a screen versus PDF versus, you know, a million other ways, you know, you've seen widgets now. So that's, that's something that I'm interested in is how can I compact content into a small space, but it still be usable. So things like that. Super. So uh, I think um, we're almost uh, to the end of the podcast, uh, Emily. So uh, anything to add at the last minute to, to our audiences? Um, I, I say just write, even if you're not a technical writer, it really helps if you express your expertise to the rest of your team in whatever way you can and encourage people, if you are a technical writer, to add to your internal knowledge base, because you never know what might end up on your external knowledge base. Everybody has something important to write about and a different perspective to write from. So you should definitely encourage that across the board. Mm-hmm. Super fantastic. So once again, thank you, Emily, uh, for your time with us today. And uh, it was a great, uh, um, it was great to have your uh, experiences shared, uh, shared with our audience. Um, enjoy the sun and uh, good luck with the uh, reviews that you're currently doing. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Please head to iTunes, rate, and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week.